Episode 155 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the Czech tennis star Jana Novotna. Jana held the number one world ranking at doubles for 67 non-consecutive weeks and won 12 Grand Slam women's doubles titles, four Grand Slam mixed doubles titles and three Olympic medals. In 1997, she was the number two singles player in the world and the following year won the women's singles title at Wimbledon. Following her retirement in 1999, Jana became a commentator and a coach. But tragically, in 2017, she died from cancer, aged only 49. My interview with Jana took place in Belgium just weeks before Wimbledon in 1994, almost a year after she lost to Steffi Graf in the ladies' singles final there, having led 4-1 in the final set. After that match, Jana famously cried on the shoulder of the Duchess of Kent when she was being handed the runner-up trophy. First of all, Jana, you had to pull out of the French because of you have an injury. Tell us about the extent of that injury and how much of a threat is that to your Wimbledon prospects? Well, it didn't, it didn't seem to be so serious in the beginning, but right now it is because uh, I haven't been playing for some time already since last Wednesday and um, the shoulder is not getting any better so um, I'm trying to get as much treatment I can and uh, see you know how fast it can heal but it is definitely a threat I don't know I was planning to play uh, in Eastbourne but uh, for the moment we'll see it's everything is on standby right now. How important is Eastbourne to your Wimbledon preparations? Well it is important uh, because now, when I didn't have a chance to play Paris, there's uh, very much need to play for me some matches before, especially on grass, because it is quite different, and uh, it's always a good preparation. I play, I usually play every year. What are the similarities between Eastbourne and Wimbledon? Are there any at all, apart from the fact it's played on grass? Well, yes, well, of course, the difference is there. The grass in Eastbourne is a little bit different than at Wimbledon, and, of course, uh, Eastbourne is a little bit more difficult because of the wind and rain and everything is a little bit unstable there. But otherwise, it's a beautiful tournament. I like to play there each year, and uh, but the difference is there. But what is the most important? Surf and volley. Now, I think you're particularly keen to play Wimbledon this year because obviously people remember you from the final last year. Is that particularly special to you now? Well, it will be special and it was already special to come back to England to play last year the tournament in Brighton and I felt a huge support and that really people really enjoyed it. So I was really happy to come back, but, you know, Wimbledon is Wimbledon and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully everything will be all right, I will be in a great shape and then I can do my best. As you hinted earlier, you seem to have the perfect game for Eastbourne Wimbledon grass court tennis in general with your serve and volley. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But as I said many times, it's uh, there's a lot of dangerous players in the field and uh, still you need to get the feel of the grass because you play on it only once a year. So it takes some time, but I do have the game and if I can play well, I can do really well. Now, one of those dangerous players is Martina Navratilova, who says this is her last Wimbledon. How do you feel about that, the fact that it's her last? Well, I don't know. It feels so strange, and uh, tell you the truth. I, you know, until, until Martina is really not going to say, I am retiring, this is my last tournament, I still don't believe that she will retire. 
even even the results she had in the past they weren't any great and she keeps saying that she will retire that she doesn't want to play anymore but really tell you the truth until it's not gonna ha- until it happens I don't believe it <laughs> how does Wimbledon rank in your list of favorite tournaments around the world number one definitely number one and not only that I did so well there and that I played so well but I think the place the organization the courts the public especially everything is just perfect I can't compare it to any other tournament how do you feel about the traditions there I mean coming from a foreign country it must seem very strange well it is it is but uh, because uh, this is not my first time in England and we have been to England so many times somehow you get used to it and you look forward to it you know because it is so different to any other European countries that you really like that and you're looking forward to it How did it feel to reach the final there last year? Was that a dream fulfilled for you? Yes, it was. It was in a way. It was. Well, I always said that the the dream come true for me would be to win a Grand Slam, no matter which one it would be. But uh, by getting to the Wimbledon finals and being so close to win it, and uh, you know, with all with everything around, with the surrounding and everything, it was in a way. It. I felt like I have won it. You know, in a way, I did. So it was a. Maximal satisfaction. I was really happy there. Some say you were overwhelmed by the occasion. What do you say to that? Well, I don't think it's absolutely not true. <laughs> If I would be overwhelmed by the occasion, then tell you the truth, I don't think I would ever made it to the finals because I had a really, you know, I had a long way to go when I made it finally to the quarters. I had to beat Gabriela Sabatini on court one, which was, you know, not so special, but it was different. And then at the semifinal, I had to beat Martina. I never beat her in my life. This was the first time I have beaten her at the Wimbledon Center Court. So I definitely was not overwhelmed by the situation. And, you know, the way I played in the finals, it just shows that I was just ready to play. So how do you explain what happened in the final when you built up such a commanding lead? Well, what has happened? Well... I would go back to the two previous matches against Sabatini and Martina in the in the semis. Is I was playing really well. I was very confident. I was going for my shots and everything was working just perfect. That was exactly the same thing what I did in the final. Only with the different that when I went for the shots, they were just a little bit out or a little bit, you know, not so precise like it should be. I made a few easy mistakes. I gave Steffi one only chance. She took the chance and she was able to win the whole thing. That's why she is such a great champion. That's why she's number one player in the world. So you'd say that it was a case of Steffi raising her game rather than you choking. Well, I'm saying that I gave Steffi a little chance in the third set by making a mistake, which in this case sticks out more than if it would happen in any other time, any other occasion. You know, I gave her the little chance, and she was good enough and able enough to take the chance and to win the whole tournament. How did it feel to see the match slipping away? Well, it doesn't feel great, but then Steffi just began to play. She began to play so well that I couldn't stop her, and there was nothing I could do. I was playing not bad, and I had my chances after I made a few easy mistakes, but still was not good enough to stop her. What was it the Duchess said to you that made you cry? Well, <laughs> you must know that already. I don't have to tell you. <laughs> well, what she said is, she said that you know, don't worry. You will one day you will win Wimbledon, and that really made me, you know, it really let my emotion go. Do you think you would have cried anyway later on? No, in the dressing? I don't think I don't think I would cry anymore. I don't think I would, you know, I was I was sad, I was disappointed, I was, you know, 
overwhelmed or happy at the end with everything what has happened, everything was going through my mind. But I think if she would just come to me and say, well, congratulations, you played very well, nothing would happen. But because I came there and she was so nice and she said like, oh, don't worry, and so motherly and she nice. And so then, you know, I couldn't stop it. It's her fault, actually. <laughs> Did you write to the Duchess and thank no, her after that, I'm... or have you contacted each other since? No, no, no. Uh, somebody actually mentioned this to me, if I have done it already, and or if I have done it at all, and I said, you know, no, I think that was something special, what has happened at the day. I don't think it would be right to go back and to, you know, have a further contact with her or something. I'm just looking forward to see her again, you know, just to see her there. I don't have to speak to her, or I don't have to talk to her or anything but just to see her there it will be really it will bring the memories back are you a bit of a a fan of the British monarchy well I don't know I I can't tell that but uh, you know it is something special and I'm sure that uh, you know even even if you have some problems with that in England particularly or anywhere else I think it's something special very traditional and I think it should stay like this for a while at least how do you feel about the fact that's become one of the most memorable moments in sporting history almost? Well, I feel great about it and I, you know, it's uh, it, it is great. This is, uh, you know, the best thing about this is that people people don't uh, recognize me by how I played, but they say, "Oh, you are the girl who cried with the Duchess of Kent." I said, "Yes, that's me," you know, and that makes it very special that they remember that the, that the people had the chance to see something different, something emotional. But tell you the truth, this is nothing I have planned or anything like that. It has just happened. It also seems to have changed the public's perception of you, doesn't it? Because everyone seemed to have the impression that you were very serious mm-hmm. and everything else. And they've really warmed mm-hmm. to you now, haven't they? Well, I don't know. Well, you should know that better. <laughs> but the, the truth is that, that the people have been talking about it and I have been asked by a few journalists that... Uh, you know, why you look so serious, you never smile on the court and all that. But, uh, you know, I think it's important for them to understand that uh, when I am on the court, I'm very professional, I'm trying to do my best I can, and I'm just doing there my job. If I, you know, but then when I'm off the court, I'm very normal, very nice, very funny, I'm, I can laugh and do whatever I want. But, you know, I don't think the people have the right to judge me just from seeing me on the court, because I'm very different there. Have you found the crowds have changed towards you, though, since that moment? They're particularly warm towards you? Well, they are, but, of course, I don't want them, I don't want them to, be, to be warm to me or nice to me just because I, was, I showed my emotions or I showed that I was, you know, crying there. I, I didn't want that people feel sorry for me, not at all. I wanted people to know that I'm, you know, that I have tried to play my best and they saw me at the best at Wimbledon. And, uh, you know, if they liked it, everything what was going on, then that's fine. But I certainly didn't want that people feel sorry for me that I have lost that match. Yeah, the fact remains you did reach a Wimbledon singles final. Yeah. Have you felt a lot of pressure on you since then because of that? No, not at all. Not at all. I said, I said if, if uh, Wimbledon changed me at all, it did, but in a positive way. It gave me so much more confidence, so much more respect from the public, from the people, from media, from everybody. Not just because I get there, but the way I got there, you know, by beating Sabatini, Martina at the centre court, being so close and playing such a great match against Steffi. Presumably you expected quite a bit of yourself after that. How satisfied are you with your performances since last year's Wimbledon? Well, if you are a professional sports person or a player, 
you know that your career is going through stages. You just cannot play at that certain level all the time. And I knew that after after Wimbledon, I will have a letdown, that I will be tired emotionally and, you know, physically because it is very tiring. And I, you know, I basically didn't expect anything special or anything, but I always wanted to do my best at each tournament. I wanted to play very consistent. And that's what I did. And since then, I have moved to rank number five, and I'm there since then, so it's great. How do you rate your chances going into this year's Wimbledon? Well, I don't look at it that way. You always look at it that way. You want to see how many percent, how is going to win and all that. You want you want to know the answers. But you can't because tennis in this way is very special. And you saw that many times that until it's not over, it's not over. And you can be way ahead and you still you still don't have to win it. So for me, it's the most important really at this moment to get healthy, to get my arm ready then I can start a proper preparation for the Eastbourne and then try to do my best at Wimbledon. I will take each match at the time exactly like I did last year and that worked the best for me. Does this injury mean that you may not play doubles at Wimbledon? You may concentrate on the singles? No, I think I think uh, if if this injury, if I will not be fit enough to play, then I will not play either singles or doubles. So the only way I will go and compete is that I will be 100% to play singles and doubles. How important is the doubles to you? Because you're obviously a great doubles champion. Is it as important as the singles? Well, <laughs> it is important, but it is very tiring. It is very tiring. And I said and I said that in the beginning of this year, I said, I don't want to play doubles at each tournament because it is very tiring. I found it very tiring, especially during the Grand Slam, to play singles and then to play doubles. But it is important because when you have a day off, you have an extra match, you can practice some, you know, some situations, you can get the feel on the grass, especially there. As you say in the singles, you're number five in the world. When you look back to when you first started playing tennis, how does it feel to be the fifth best tennis player in the whole world? It feels totally unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, tell you the truth, I have never dreamed of in my life, and neither my parents did, that uh, I would make it so far. And it just feels great, but tell you the truth, I have to be very grateful to my current coach, to Hanna Mandlikova, because until five years ago, I really never dreamed of that I can make it so high. But she made me believe and she make me, made me very professional and very hardworking person. And uh, with her help, I was able to reach the, not only being number five in the world, but also to reach the Grand Slam finals. How much higher do you think you can go? How much higher? Well... If Martina's planning to retire this year, <laughs> there is a natural chance. <laughs> no, it's it is just a joke. But uh, it is very open. The you know the tennis these days is very strange. Steffi is very dominant, and Arancha is very consistent, but she doesn't play as well on all surfaces. She plays well on clay and maybe hard court, but there is a chance to beat her on uh, on on grass or indoor or something like that. So the possibilities are there. They are there. So I'm, I'm, you know, as I said, I have no goals. If I be number four tomorrow, fine, great. But I'm trying to just concentrate on what we're doing right now. Having said that, though, would you rather be Wimbledon champion or number one in the world? Wimbledon champion. <laughs> but it means Absolutely. that much. Yes, it does. I think I, I think it means I, I think it means to everybody so much, and it really it is. That's the only way. I mean, what people are they not going to remember 
that you were number one. Sure they will. But what are they going to say? Or you're going to be on the board there forever. On that Wimbledon board, you will be there forever. And that means so much to every player. You mentioned Steffi Graf earlier. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's Steffi Graf against the rest. There's no real competition for her. How do you feel about people who say that? Well, it seems like it. It seems like it because for the moment she is very dominant and she has been winning uh, you know, most of all the tournaments and everything. She's been winning everything. But I don't think it is that true, you know. Uh, people have to see, people have to see. If I if I talk about last year, it was the greatest example. She played the finals against Monica Seles in the Australian Open. She played a great final at the French Open against Marie-Jo Fernandez. She played a great final against me at Wimbledon. And she played a great final against uh, somebody at the U.S. Open. So you have to look at it this way, that each time, at each Grand Slam, somebody else got to the final. And there were great matches there. Great matches. So people should not look at it, oh, this is only the figure so she's going to win it again. They should look forward to it. Who is going to be there to compete with her? I think that is very important. Who do you see as Steffi's successes then? I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. And I don't really know what makes it so special about her, that she is so dominant. But I can tell you from my point of view, I say that Steffi is the fittest and the fastest player on the tour. And the way she plays her game, it's built on the physical fitness and on the quickness she has. And it's very hard for the other players to adjust to that. Every time you play her, you have problem with that, that she gets to every ball, that she that she's too fast for you. One school of thought says it's not the same without Monica Seles. It's not the real top five or whatever. How do you f- feel about that? Well, you cannot look at it only that Monica Seles is gone, but, you know, Martina is retiring also. So people people should look more forward than, than always thinking back about how was tennis, you know, 10 years ago. Because tennis has changed a lot and it's n- no more Chrissy Everett, no more Martina, and it's going to be different players. Of course, it's, it is extremely sad and it's unbelievable what has happened to Monica. But still, you have to look at it a little bit further. You have to look, okay, well, Monica is not there, then is Steffi there, and some other players are there, and the players in the top ten, they're changing a lot. So it's not going to be the same like it was. Uh, Monica, Graf, Sabatini, Sanchez, it's not going to be like that. It is going to change, and new players, younger players will come up. How were you and your fellow professionals affected by what happened to Monica Sellers? Well, I have been at the tournament when it happened and I supposed to play the semi-final match against Steffi Graf in Hamburg the day when it happened and it was unbelievable. The whole atmosphere and everything was so different and everybody were just deeply shocked about it. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, I think promoters and tournament directors and everybody since then have learned a big lesson from this and they have tried to improve the security around the tennis courts and everything. But on the other hand, you have to question Monica herself. You should ask, you know, why is Monica not coming back? What is the real reason? Does she really want to play? Does she really, is she really that badly injured? Was she that badly injured that she cannot come back? You know, and we don't have these answers. That is one of the disadvantages. What, are, yeah. what is your theory on that one? Well, well, I don't. I, I'm just saying that it's very hard for us to say. We 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 all do. Not only me, but all the players and all the on the all the stuff involved in WTA tour. They feel so sad about it. But on the other hand, they have no chance trying to find out how to help Monica or what to improve, how to get her back in the tennis. Because she is too private. Everything is too close. Nobody really has the chance to get to know the real story.
you saying that she should do something about that? Well, I, I don't think she should. Well, I don't think she she should have already in the past, but she should, you know, try to get in touch with somebody, or she should let at least, or allow people to talk to her, or try to help her, or try to find out what really what she should do, how to get her back. Have you had any security scares yourself? I never had any problems like that. I never did, no, and I'm, I think I'm very fortunate because I heard that other players had problems with that, Martina, Everett, Steffi, they had problems with that, and it must be very uncomfortable, but I never had a problem myself. Nonetheless, do you live in fear? No, not at all. I live very normal life, not only on the tour, but also off the tour, and I don't really fear of anything. That I, It never occurred in my mind that something like this would happen ever to me. Do you think Monica Sellers will come back? And if she does, what do you think she'd be like? Well, I don't know. I think that if Monica, if Monica, but that's only what I think, my personal thoughts, and it can, doesn't have to be true, but I, my personal thought is that if Monica would like to come back, she would come back already. She would be back already. She had many opportunities to do that. And now I'm, I'm really very doubtful she's coming back at all very worrying yeah it is it is because it, and it's been so long that it will be so hard for her to come back and i don't we don't know not only me but if she ever can come back in the same level like she when she left the other big question mark at the moment is jennifer capriati will mm. she come back well i don't think she will come back either tell you the truth well i don't know it is it is very worrying and uh, it's not a it's not a greatest it's not the greatest for the wta tour for sure now but uh, what has happened to Jennifer it's just unbelievable unbelievable I, I, and I don't know really who should be blamed on it I mean everybody has you know part of that they allowed her to play so early in such an early age and uh, the parents the agent the media everybody took over her life she had no life a lot of players seem to start very early, though. Are you one of these mm-hmm. people that's against starting at a certain age? Mm-hmm. I am. I am definitely. Not only because I, not only because I started myself quite late, maybe much too late. But I think definitely to start to play professional tournaments at 13 years old—that's that's much too early. 15, 16. I think that would be my idea. Are you friends with either Jennifer or Monica, and have you tried to speak to them about their respective problems? Uh, no, I never really had the chance to get to know either Monica or Jennifer. Monica was much too private for that. She was, she always was very nice when we saw each other at the locker room, but that's you know no further conversation or anything like that. Never really had the chance to speak to Jennifer either. Do you think they've had the right support from their fellow professionals? Do you think you lot have been good to them? I think I think they did, yes. I don't think you can blame this on uh, any other players or anybody like that. I think uh, at this stage, especially at Jennifer's case, I think it's the parents to blame or, you know, because at her age she was not able to make her own decision. She was not, you know, developed and smart enough for her to make this decision. So basically the parents had to make all the decisions. And they probably didn't make the right decisions. What have you had in your background that's enabled you to survive all the pressures and so on? Well, you see, as I told you, because everything I have achieved and everything I have done or when I really became professional or, you know, all that, it has happened to me when I was 21. And that's that's quite a different. I was much more mature, much more developed, much more, you know, educated, and I knew a little bit what is going on. 
But of course, uh, I didn't know everything, and Hannah was the biggest help. She always told me what to watch out for. She, you know, in a way protected me against these bad influences. But you just cannot compare it to 14 or 15-year-old kid who is just starting. It's all up to the parents. If the parents, they don't know enough about it, they can really mess up. Even though you started later, do you feel like you've missed out on a normal life at all? Well, I I am sure I did in some way. I'm sure I did miss out for something. But I always say I know that my professional career will not last, you know, for another 10 years. I know that I can play tennis professionally at the top level for 10, 15 years. So if I can do it for another three, four years after that, my God, there is life waiting for me and I will not know what to do with it. But for the moment, I think it's very important just to concentrate on what you're doing the best and after that, you can enjoy life. What do you think you might have done if you hadn't become a sportswoman? I don't know. I think I would be a very normal person. I think I would be, you know, doing something with the kids because I like kids very much. And I would be either a teacher like my mother was or in a kindergarten or something because I love kids so much. So I would be something, I would be doing probably a regular job. You're said to be three times a millionaire. How, what do you say to that? <laughs> well... Isn't it great? <laughs> well, the money, the money problem. Now, um, you know, all these numbers you have, they look so nice, but you don't know how expensive it is, everything, and you have to realize that we pay tax on everything. We have to cover our own expenses and everything. So, uh, you know, there is not much, you know, money left from that uh, huge amount you, you're saying or they write. So, uh, but... You know, money in the beginning, of course, money matters because you don't have much money. You need to cover your expenses and everything. But then later on, it just makes your life easier. But it doesn't change me as a person or anything like that. Yeah, you're known to be a very smart girl with a very big conscience oh, on you. you. Is, 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 that, is that a problem, earning so much money you know, out of a sport? Uh, no, I don't think it is a problem. I, I always say, I always say, if somebody is good at something, they should be well paid for it. And if I am good at something and I'm doing it right and I'm putting everything into it, then I think I do deserve the money. What do you do with all that money? <laughs> do you invest or do you, do you shop um, a lot? Well, no, not really. I'm a very reasonable you know, spender. And, uh, uh, but, um, you know, as I said... My career is not over yet, so I still have to, you know, be careful what I'm doing with the money. But once when the career is over, I'm sure I will invest into something and try to, you know, do something else when my career is over. Now, I imagine you're very kind to your family and so on. Do you sort yeah. of, when you got your first little lot of money, did you go and buy them a Cadillac or something and pay them back <laughs> for all the... Well, as I said, as I said, you know, uh, I grew up in very normal well-educated family and that's why we we never exaggerate in anything you know so of course uh, when I have earned some first money and even now I always do give them money or bring them something extra buy them a car or something but I don't you know I don't take that as a you know we never exaggerate in these kind of things nonetheless when you're splashing out in yourself what do you treat yourself to <laughs> with something nice to eat <laughs> Which is so, which is probably so natural because, because once when you are in the tournament and as I said, I'm trying to be very fit and trying to be, you know, trying to watch out what I'm eating and doing. So uh, 
you know, you're restricted in many ways. So if I have the time, if I have the opportunity, I like to go and have some nice meal and all that. You know, I, I take that as a treat. You're a very smart dresser too. Do you like clothing and so on, fashion? Yes, I do very much so, yes. But, uh, you know, no time, no time, absolutely no time. As I said, uh, it's like you go to Paris, you're there for two weeks and you have no time to go and to see a fashion show or to go to the shops and all that, you know. It is very hard, but uh, I'm, I'm telling you, once when the career is over, many, many, many beautiful things waiting for me there. A lot of you tennis players have people to do things for you all the time. Mm. Is that something mm. that concerns you and you make sure you avoid all that? Mm. Well, again, I don't know. Uh, many, play- many players has that and, uh, you know, that's what I always said. I, uh, I always try to do things myself, you know, which is which is sometimes very tiring and very uncomfortable and all that. But on the other hand, it makes me makes me better and makes me more prepared to be after the tennis career is over. If I can have people jumping around me and I can order them what to do for me, but then once when I'm not playing anymore, what are they going... I will be there alone myself and I will have to do these things myself. So for the moment, I, I have somebody, of course, I have an agent very good agent advantage international who's trying to help me with many many things but all the rest of the things i'm trying to do myself how do you feel about the other aspects of success like fame and so on you seem to be quite a shy person does that sit comfortably with you are you (laughs) not (laughs) no i don't think i'm really shy but you know i'm not uh, (laughs) i think i'm something in the middle i'm something in the middle which is i think the best always but um tell you the truth the fame for me was always a more pleasant thing or more pleasure than it would be a more problem because I am not a star of like a Graf or Becker or Agassi or this kind of people. No, I am not. And, and, and uh, you know, that, that for them fame is a problem or fame is for them is uncomfortable in some way because they cannot live normal life or the way they would like to. I can still do what I want to do. I can go and do shopping and do go there and go there. I might be recognized, but it's never a problem for me. So I think in that way, fame is a very pleasant thing. Do you like being recognized? Yes, I like that. As long as I'm, you know, in, to the to the certain point when I don't like to be bothered or I don't want to be, you know, annoyed by somebody. But, you know, it is very nice to be recognized, but to a certain point. Now, to us, we're meeting a very different you today than the one we know and caught, as we've said before. Well, yes, does, th- does that bother you, that people have an image of you as yes. being very serious and stern? Well, yes, it, it does bother me, but, you know, it was a year ago when I, when I had this idea and when people told me that and they said, you know, you are so nice on, off the court, why, cannot you be, why, don't you, why are you not nice on the court? I said, how can I do that? I am trying to be very professional, very good at what I'm doing on the court. And if I'm doing it, I need all my concentration for that, to do that. Well, I had the idea that I will try to explain to everybody that I'm very nice off the court and I'm very friendly and then I can laugh and all that. But, gee, I can't do that. Mm. You know, it's really... But I don't think it's, it's fair for the people to judge a person just from the two hours they see me on the court. I think they have to they have to meet me off the court and get to know me better so they can make a judgment on themselves.
So what is the real Jana like? What's the person that they would meet off the court? Well, the one you are just talking to. <laughs> and, you know, it's always hard to say, well, I am like that and that and that, and I can tell you I'm very nice and I'm very friendly and all that. But uh, I think when we have the opportunity, like right now, we have the opportunity to meet and to talk together. And I think uh, it's the best for you to judge who I really am. It must be very difficult also with other players because you're playing against them all the time, mm-hmm. you're competing against them. Mm-hmm. You can't really be friends with them, can no, you? You're absolutely right. You cannot be friends with them, no. Maybe the low-ranked players who don't really care if they win this round or they win that round. But people are saying, my God, there's so much hatred going on between the players and all that. I said, well, excuse me, this is the way it is. I cannot sit here and have a drink with the, with the number one player in the world and half an hour later I cannot be playing a final at Wimbledon with her. That's quite impossible. So I think people are exaggerating when they think there's a hatred and that we don't like each other. No, I think it's very normal. We speak to each other, we talk to each other, we say hello and all that. But to a certain point, then we have to be ready to compete against each other and that's very difficult. Are there any players you really don't get on with, Jana? Well, there are a few players I don't like, but you know, it would be it would be stupid of me to say the names or anything like that. You know, I oh, think I <laughs> I think I do get along with everybody quite well, so there's really not a problem for me. Who are actually your friends on the circuit? Well, as I said, I don't have that many friends. You know, I know quite a lot of players, a lot of. Uh, uh, people and the staff from WTA and from tournament directors and promoters. But, you know, you don't really get to know each other much better because you stay there for one week or two weeks. So there is really, there is a contact, but as I said, to a certain point, so friendly, but not, not really friends, friends. Not what I say, what is friend. You seem to spend most of your time with Hannah. Is that sort of a good thing, do you think? Well, I don't... I don't think that we spend, you know, all the time together. Or that we, you know, sometimes we don't get along together. That's very natural. But uh, I would say that uh, we have a very good, you know, coach and player relationship. And uh, you know, then when I have the time, I divide the time between spending in here or with my family. So, as I said, if I'm trying to dedicate my my life and everything to tennis, she's my coach. This is the training base. This is where I spend most of the time. Hannah was a very, very successful player herself. Now she is a very successful coach who got me to a number five in the world, twice to the Grand Slam final. Are you very protective of your private life? Well, yes, I'm trying to. Yes, I'm trying to because I know that, uh, and I know it is very normal and very natural, and I think it's in every every professional sport, that there are, there are people and players and coaches and everybody who's trying to take advantage of you, you see, in, in some way, because there is the big competition going on. So you have to be very protective. Very difficult life to have a normal relationship in, isn't it? Well, it is, yes, almost impossible. And if you have a look, you don't have to talk only about me, but if you talk about all the other players, you know, it's very hard for the, for the woman player to have a stable relationship while she's competing or playing at the tour for many reasons, for many reasons.
can one ask if you have a stable relationship if you're in a relationship no i don't have a i don't have a relationship and i don't even have a stable relationship and as i told you it's 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 very hard you one week you there one week you there and it is just impossible so you know everything is waiting there for me when my career is finished when you have all this success do you at the same time have a little bit of sadness that you can't share it with somebody well, of course, you have few friends or you have people who you can share your your sadness and your happiness with, that's for sure. And you must have these people. Nobody can live alone in this world. And, uh, you know, I have these people and uh, I'm very grateful that I have them. And, uh, you know, if there is something I want to share with them, I have where to go. I know where to go. How do you feel about marriage and children one day? Because we know you love children. Yes, yes that would be, uh, that's the ultimate, yeah. Thing waiting for me when I'm finished. Yeah, that would be something I really do like to have. How do you imagine yourself in, say, 10 years' time? Do you think you will be married and but, with children? Well, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I, I'm still very young, and uh, in these days, you know, what the fashion is, the later you get married, the, the better it is, or you can even have children really late these days. So we will see. Everything really depends how soon I will finish my, my career and, uh, you know, how successfully I will end it up. And we'll see how I feel about things later then. So maybe if we speak in three years' time, then I can tell you a little bit more about that. <laughs> Do you get a lot of offers? For, you've seen a lot of women players, including Monica Sellers and Steffi Graf, getting plagued by men and so on. Do you get a lot of offers and people pestering you and trying to take you out and things? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's all, I think it's all, you know, everything is only publicity or everything is a lot of, you know, not real thing. And I'm sure, and I, it happened to me a few times too, that I got an offer to get married in the, in the mail and all that, and people inviting me there and there and there. But, you know, as I said, it's, it is very hard, and especially the top players. We're all trying to keep our privacy very, very, you know, secret and very protective. So, of course, they, you get offers to get out, to go out and see these people and meet them, but you know, it's really up to you if you take that chance or no. Is it difficult to know whether to trust people or not because you're obviously rich and famous and very of successful course, and very glamorous is. and everything else? It is very difficult. I mean, it is very difficult. That's what is the... I think that's what is the hardest for for everybody and for all the players. I mean, to say, so is this person interested in me or, you know, in who I am or in a professional tennis player or of a rich woman? You know, that's very hard to know. So that's I said I said as I told you there is many many reasons why you cannot have a relationship with the man during you are on the top or you know during your professional career and all that there is many many reasons for that and one of the reasons is because you don't know what the person really is who he is and what he wants from you now as you've suggested earlier a sporting career is also a very short one unfortunately very, very. does that concern you no, I think I think it I think it should be like that, and I don't think uh, we should see the same players playing for twenty, thirty years. I think that would be, you know, disgusting, and it would be not normal. So I think, uh, and I can now speak only from from my point of view is, for the time being, you playing the ten, fifteen years, just to try to give your best, do the best you can, and then to go on with your life. When you've got a sort of tough training schedule ahead of you or whatever, do you suddenly think, you know, oh, I don't want to go on, then you think, well, actually, my career is going to be so short, I really ought to make the most of it now? No. Well, 
you know you don't look at it that way you you go on you go on and and you play and you train and uh, you know the older you get the harder it will become and one day you will say my god this is too hard for me i can't do it anymore and then you will consider retiring so you don't think about it oh i have to hurry up you know i have only two more years to go you don't look at it that way maybe i will feel like this in in one year or in two years and i will be 28 and i will say my god i'm too tired to do this but looking at the future now how would you like to see your career progress and end well it's always hard to say I, if you would ask me or if we, if we would be doing this interview Three weeks ago, I would tell you, I am in a great shape. I am looking forward so much to go to Paris. And I think I will get very, very far and I will do very, very well. Well, a few days later, I found myself being hurt and I cannot play at all. You see, so it's very difficult to really predict how I would like to see my future going. You know, I can I can tell you that I would like to play for a few more years and I would like to, you know, win a Grand Slam at that time. But if it's going to happen or if not, then it's then we will see. That's all really very long, long uh, time ahead. What do you reckon you will do when you finish? What, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't know. You asked me that already. <laughs> I told you it's very it's very hard to answer that. And uh, I said there will be many, many reasons for it. Really, what am I going to do? And uh, I said, it really depends how soon and how successfully I will finish my career and how will I feel about myself or what I want to do in the f- in three years' time. It's going to be difficult to match the excitement, isn't it, though? Well, yes, that's that's really um, the biggest problem for all the stars, to leave the, to, to leave the circuit and to leave the tour because there is always people around you, everything is organized, people are doing things for you. That's why I told you that it might sound silly that I'm trying to do most of the things myself, but in a way it will help me in the future to get, you know, to be ready for the normal life, that the the transfer from the from the tennis world and from what I was doing just now will be easier than uh, than if I would have, you know, people, 100 people doing this for me. Where do you think you will live? Oh, that's a very good question. I always ask the question myself. Well, I am—I definitely will live in somewhere in Europe. And I, I can't really tell you if it's going to be here, if it's going to be Switzerland, or if it's going to be Germany or France. It really, I don't really know. It will really depends how things will develop later on. What about returning to Czechoslovakia? Well, that's also a possibility that because um, the country is really improving and uh, Everything is um, getting so much easier and being better and all that. So it is the, one of the possibilities that I might go back to Czechoslovakia, to Czech Republic, to live there. Have you any ambitions outside of sport to sing or act or something? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think it would be right. And I, you know, I, I always say that this is one of the dreams. You know, you feel that you can play tennis, that you have money, that you can do any other things. You know, and it's true. I mean, with today's technology, I can. I, I think I can have a singing career when I'm finished. But uh, I don't think it would be right, and that would be going from one thing to another. You see, it wouldn't be a. It wouldn't be a normal life again. It would be something else again, and I don't think I really need that. I think when I'm when I'm finished, I just want to retire and you know to stay at one place. I promise you, I'm not gonna travel at all for some time, and I will just do my own thing.
Would you actually quite fantasize about a singing career? Would you like to be a no, pop star? No, absolutely not. I just said that as a joke. I no, I never dream of that, and I don't think I, you know, ever wanted to do that. What's your idea of bliss? What's your perfect situation for you? What is the perfect situation? <laughs> well, many, many. <laughs> sitting on a beach somewhere with a cocktail in your hand, or it really depends. Sitting at the beach, sitting in the mountains, you know. And uh, I love skiing very much. I like mountains very much. Or being in a nice forest or somewhere, you know. There are so many beautiful things in the world, which unfortunately, with so much traveling we have done, we didn't have a chance to see. But as I said, you know, people are afraid of what are you going to do when you retire. I said, my God, I'm just going to enjoy the simple things, and I will appreciate them much more than I do now. To what extent is your heart still in tennis? How much is it the center of your universe? Oh yes, for the moment it still is. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course that I'm. You know, even we are now most of the time. It's funny talking about the retirement, and I have Wimbledon coming up. <laughs> But but anyway, it is it is yes. I'm just trying to do the best I can right what, now. Yeah. What is your dream now? If you look into the future, I don't have any dreams. I think uh, I think my my only dream is to be really healthy and to live a long long time. But uh, then everything else is just the pleasure we do. So the health is the ultimate goal, and try to be the healthiest I can.